0: This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt. And I'm Jason. And welcome to a new episode of Cinema Spin.
1: Okay, well, here we are again. Yep. Did like you... clockwork. Yep. <laughs> what did you think of the uh, uh, the comeback of the Golden Globes? Oh, I was wishing they would have stayed where they were. Yes. Yeah, uh, Jared
0: Carmichael, who I don't have a lot Gerard of. Ex- Carmichael. Oh, Jared, yeah. yeah, I don't have a lot of exposure with him, but you know he hosted Saturday Night Live once, and his monologue yeah. was p- pretty funny. Yeah, um, he's I, a
1: funny guy. You yeah. would not know it from right. It's like what happened last night.
0: It was like almost as if it was on purpose. Yes, yeah. He decided yeah. Did
1: not bring the funny. Right. It seemed to be um, purposefully unfunny right um
0: yeah and then you could kind of see i mean i didn't watch like the first half very much yeah neither did i i um kenny came in late to, yeah me too and you could tell by the time i got into it everybody was sort of apparently there was a lack of food yeah right yeah but there wasn't a lack of drink
1: right <laughs> so and you could you could kind of tell i think they got them drunk everybody was <laughs> sort of uh <laughs> Not well put together. By yeah, the they were they were not making a lot of sense. I I, I texted you that uh, <laughs> at one point uh, someone uh, reading off a role mo- uh, a monitor <laughs> pr- pronounced the word the term role models as r- role model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I gotta, uh... you got to be seeing differently on it, both <laughs> eyes to, before that happens, right?
0: So uh, you yeah, know you got everybody saying hello to Brad Pitt at one some yeah, point. Right, yeah.
1: By the way, hello, Brad Pitt. I know he <laughs> never misses an episode.
0: Yeah, so it was not uh, not my favorite. Yeah. At least, you know, I mean, the Oscars may have that, you know, reputation of being probably too uptight. Yeah. I mean, I'll, you know, of course, l- last year. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, we're, yeah. we are we uh, even talking spontaneous about Spontaneous things
1: do happen even at the Oscars, right. But, I mean, as far as Gerard Carmichael goes, uh, you know, it's fine to be sort of biting or, or – or, uh, in your face, but uh, uh you got to be funny, and he just wasn't- Yeah, just I mean, d- he's an interesting either. comedian.
0: You know, yeah. I, his special that that's on HBO or whatever, the one where he came out or whatever, is an easy watch. It's mm-hmm. not a laugh out loud a yeah, lot, yeah, lot yeah. of the time. He's, there's different types of comedians, and he's one of these. It's just, it's fun to hear him. He's fun to listen to. Right. But not necessarily
1: a gaffaw type, Not, yeah, ha, you know, ha ha, yeah. You know, there's those moments, but yeah. it's not, you know.
0: So, yeah, I didn't think that worked not very well. Not necessarily
1: one to deliver little bite-sized- you know, uh witticisms right, that, that right, it takes yeah. for something like this.
0: And uh yeah, by the end it turned into kind of a mess. But, you know, nobody was accosted, so I guess that's right, yes, a step in the nobody. right direction. <laughs> they didn't have to call the LAPD. You know, it's uh obviously Eddie Murphy in his speech, you know, made the joke about you know, about the last yeah, year's yeah. Oscar incident, which I think is, is a little too late to go to that joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well Gerard Carmichael made a crack about him too that didn't... Well, I mean, it, well. it makes more sense yeah. for him to do it, but I mean, for that
0: to be your big closing number yeah. and you're kind of referencing something that was almost a year ago is sort yeah. of,
1: I don't know. Well, yeah.
0: But it was what it was, and I am I guess it's going to be back again. I, I thought for sure it was gone, but it's like yeah. it's, it's like a bad rash.
1: You would think it's a weird <laughs> time to sort of, you know, do a lot to kind of reboot a, an award show like that.
0: Yeah. There just aren't... If, if there was something else that could have like slid into its spot, I think uh, it would have stayed away. But like, mm-hmm. it's like the Critics' Choice Awards isn't quite ready for prime time. It's sort of a it yeah. is what it is. So yeah, I guess um, I guess we're stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being stuck with stuff, we're stuck with two movies this week, <laughs> <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and we had a new one. Yes, and uh, we both went out to see it. Yes, and, and
1: tell us about it. That is Megan. Mathrigan? Mathregan <laughs> M3GAN pronounced Megan. Let me tell you about it, Matt. Please do. Poor little Katie. She's on vacation with her parents and while driving to a ski resort, which I really hope is called uncanny valley, they're killed by a snowplow. <laughs> Uh, Katie survives, but custody falls on her very uptight workaholic Aunt Gemma, played by Allison Williams, who hasn't given a thought in the world to raising a kid. Luckily for no one, Gemma happens to be the chief roboticist at a toy company called Funky, uh, which has made a fortune off of AI toys. Uh, Gemma has been cooking up the next phase, though, an android companion she calls Megan which is capable of doing everything you would expect a robot in horror movie to do, including, of course, bending steel and developing a mind of its own. (laughs) Megan bonds with little Katie, and Gemma is convinced that she's found the perfect solution for dealing with annoying brats too young to live on their own. You'll never guess what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) If you've heard of Megan, it's probably because of the very awesome and very viral trailer that came out a few months ago. But can a 100-minute movie that covers such familiar ground live up to that trailer? I say yes. I was actually very entertained by this movie. Maybe because I expected so little, um, but every every time Megan gives somebody the passive aggressive crazy mother in law side eye, I laughed. <laughs> right. Uh, what did you think?
0: I, um, you know, you would use the phrase. You think the trailer is going to be better than the movie for sure. Um, <laughs> I think I liked it just as much as the trailer. Uh, it starts off with a sort of a parody commercial, and I yeah. knew from that moment we were in for something that was a little bit smart. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it's it's less Chucky and more Talking Tina. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I enjoyed that. I mean, the, there's sort of a uh, there's a period there where she's where we sort of learn about as an audience we learn about Megan, and unfortunately everybody's learning about how, what what Megan's yes. capable of. <laughs> right. And I thought, I enjoyed that part of it. You know, how far is
1: Megan willing to go to protect this little girl and the answer <laughs> is uh way. pretty far <laughs> yeah you this is this is a movie you say right from the from the beginning uh this is a movie that's just a it's a little more clever than it needs to be even right yeah, and, maybe. And it's a movie that feels really loved it's a um this uh the concept here is not at all original it goes basically you know hits all the points you think it's going to hit right but um Strikes a wonderfully sort of uh, tone, wonderful tone of, of campy satire, right? Um, right. and it never takes itself too seriously, and it, uh, um, and every, it it seems like they uh, uh, they were all you know everybody involved in this was just really into the idea and really sort of uh, into seeing how far they could take the idea, and and how far they uh uh how far they could push it and how they could make it a little bit better, you mm-hmm. know? um, and uh, I think it, it I think it really works. I think kudos should go to this
0: doll design. Um, definitely, a different design might not make the movie work as well. Oh, definitely. I don't really have a whole lot to say. I mean, it, it does. It should teach certain people in in production that every idea doesn't have to be completely original. If you've got a new spin to put on it, or right, you know, you take it. You take it seriously. Yeah. You know. I mean, I don't mean like like this movie takes itself super seriously. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. But everybody was serious about making as good of a movie as they could. You could tell, and.
1: Um, yeah, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the ride. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, as you know, uh, this past weekend, I was on, uh, I guess, guested on a, uh, uh, a podcast, The Lens, uh, which will be uh, coming out next next week or sometime uh, in the future, right? But I guested on The Lens, and uh, I talked about my love of Emily the Criminal from last year, right? And one of the things I say on that podcast is I talked about how um, one of the, the real joys of Emily the Criminal is, is seeing... Is remember is kind of falling in love with with genre storytelling that this is a, a little crime thriller. Um, it, it doesn't do anything that's really revolutionary, but it, it makes it look easy, right? It does everything perfect, and it makes you sort of remember why it is that you sort of love a real crime thriller, right? And this this uh, uh, Megan is is uh, in an analog to that. I mean, not nearly as good as Emily the Criminal, but um, you know, this is a uh, this is the kind of horror movie that could be done really poorly. Um, but in fact, kind of makes it look easy in a way. Right. And you wonder, um, you wonder, you watch this movie and you're, you know, you watch Emily the criminal and you wonder why is it so hard to make a good crime movie? You watch this and you're like, well, why is it so hard to make a good horror movie? And yet they hardly ever happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the simplicity of both
0: scenarios in the movie, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's literally a little girl who's lost her parents yeah. and is given this sort of surrogate robot. Right. And then there's this playground is to see what happens to that situation well, Emily the criminal is very sim- very simple too. Yeah. It's this you know a person that's very easy to empathize with. Their pro- she has everyday problems, and she's given this little open door into this world, and uh, we want to see how far she'll take it. <laughs> so I don't know. I think they're similar in in, in that way, mm-hmm. not in you know in, in just the simplicity of their starting points. I right. Guess.
1: Yeah. And and in the quality of execution too. You know, mm-hmm. um, the way uh, you know, right. as I say, they make it look they kind of make it look easy. This is uh, this is a story developed by James Wan, the horror meister of uh, of the Saw franchises, among among other things. Um, it's from a screenplay uh, yeah, he developed a story along with Akilah Cooper, the uh, credited screenwriter here. She wrote Malignant, um, which uh, also was uh, a silly horror movie. It a, was <laughs> less intentionally silly. The, the concept hit. was a little more icky, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, but this script really works. Um, you say, of course. Uh, 90% of this movie is the fun of the uh, of the doll design, right? Yeah. And the expressiveness of that face. And some of, some of um, the
0: way she's portrayed, you know, her personality yeah. is not quite, you know, some of it would be spoilers to mention, I suppose. Uh-huh. You know, well, maybe I'll
1: spoil it. Was I prepared to hear <laughs> no, me? No, no, no. <laughs> we will say. <laughs> yeah. I know where you're going to go with this. And let's, let's not completely spoil it, but let's say should. this, let's say this uh you watch the trailer for this and you're like well damn it i've seen the best part of this movie i've seen th- her dancing has got to be the best part of this movie and i say no stick a pin in that because her singing is the best part of this movie yes. is, <laughs> and you don't have to and because we'll leave i said it to that.
0: myself do i think that that I'm, we're going to see Megan sing in this movie, I would have said no. And and when,
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, I, we're not ruining anything because the moment when she does start singing, uh, you, it's it's the least likely you moment. Know, right. Anybody who's ever been in within a ten foot radius of a
0: Teddy Rockspin <laughs> right. knows the creepiness potential.
1: <laughs> for a Teddy and Ruxpin when it's taken to technology, a, a technological doll- level <laughs> to just start that, talking on its own of a Megan that oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so yes, and the, the expressiveness of her face, the way, the way in which, like I say that, like, uh, you know, she can give a little, a smug little smirk or, (laughs) or like uh, her face can change half a tick, you know, half a pixel and just express like, oh yeah, bitch, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about that later. Right. Um, and, uh, so all that is, uh, all that, that is, uh, That's funny every time they do it. Um, The acting here is really strong too, from Allison Williams. Uh, They, uh, the character of Gemma, uh, they they really they lean in hard to her being the sort of workaholic, um, to the point where she's they really sap her of sympathy. But that's that's a good thing, I think, right? Because if she were too sympathetic, she would be the kind of underdog woman working in a uh, in a uh, male dominated company, and you would be sad later on to see her. Horrified at the uh, what she's created, right? Um, but uh, she learns a lesson here, right? I <laughs> think she <does. laughs> she learns. Oh boy, does she learn a lesson? The one thing about Allison Williams is she has no
0: reluctance; it doesn't seem to take it there. She'll play unlikable characters, yeah, right,
1: yeah. And she's and she's good at at sort of towing the line of, uh. Of unlikability, right? Of being sort of sensitive at the same time being very brittle and kind of cold. right? Yeah, she's
0: well intentioned in this movie from right. start to finish, but sure. it doesn't that doesn't always translate into being the greatest of people.
1: Yeah. Like all good horror movies, uh, this taps into a real anxiety, and that of course is the anxiety of of you know how uh how comfortable we are we comfortable we are with technology raising our children for us, right? There's a very funny scene there's very funny, dark scene in this where uh, it really comes into focus for Gemma, like, wait, this doll could, like, do it all for me <laughs> right. and for everybody. <laughs> right? and, and rather than they and and that what could then at, that's a moment where, like, uh, the kind of forefronting of the subtext could be could feel heavy handed. But instead, they uh, they kind of uh, play it for a laugh. And I think that's part of the, the kind of uh, uh, what's fun about this, this the screenplay,
0: you know, and I think trying to make a point I mean we we all know that they'll be they'll become a point whenever the technology of the world gets to this place yeah and we're you know humanity will really be at at a tipping point as to are we willing to really go this far yeah you know it's funny what the different things that make people uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. people punch things into their phone constantly but some people will like hear like an Amazon Alexa and think okay that's a little bit on the creepy side mm-hmm but um, you know, it's it's no more invasive than anything we don't do with our phone twenty times a day. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's just framed differently. So yeah,
1: yeah. And now we have uh, yeah, uh, there's a, a story recently about how there is a software now that can write a college essay that's indistinguishable from uh, from human writing. You like I... just have to punch into it, like its topic, and and so on, and it will scour the internet for. Uh, uh, f- and correlate um, uh, sentences, and it's indistinguishable from human writing. And um, what are we losing? We're losing something. It feels <laughs> like. <laughs> I was I was just just
0: re- uh, saw an interview uh, with Billy Corgan of Smashy Pumpkins, and his his big w- uh, worry about the future is all music being written by AI.
1: Well, and it's it's ver- just around the corner. If it means fewer people like Billy Corgan, then. <laughs> <laughs> bring on Megan the rock star so yeah but you're right I mean the movie has a really really it has a lot of fun with just how much better better Megan is at raising Katie than, <laughs> than Gemma is like genuinely better like they're there for her you know well, define better I well I mean obviously when people try to get in you know try to get between them bad <laughs> things happen right then you need to step off yeah, I, is, uh, I enjoyed this. I would, I would recommend this to just about anybody I know who's into movies. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, watch the trailer, and if you like the trailer, the movie, uh, you, you. Yeah, I mean, the movie is well advertised by the trailer, and uh, and I, even though I love the trailer, watched it several times. I, and knew pretty much whatever everything was going to happen on this. Yeah, movie. Yeah, I wouldn't either. say I was shocked by yeah. any of the content. I just the the way that it all went down. And we will see. I mean, um, this movie like killed it last week. This movie really budget of $12 million.
0: Yeah. You know, that's, I'm sure that's before promotion, but yeah. Right. Uh, did what threat at 30, I think.
1: Yeah. If you liked Megan, (laughs) Megan, guess what? There's a sequel. coming. I think so. (laughs) I think you can, I bet there was a sequel coming probably a couple months
0: ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think you'll find that they've upgraded their technology a little. And, uh, yeah, this time they've got it had, they've got it licked. Right. No um, problems will Sue. this next time.
1: Right. And do you think there's a final moment that teases a sequel? I'm not going to say,
0: <laughs> but this is a horror movie. Yeah. Right. They, they know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Cinema Spin. Welcome back to Cinema Spin. Our random movie for this episode is Flashdance from 1983. Flashdance was directed by Adrian Line and was the first production collaborated on by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Flashdance hit theaters on tax day in 1983, and between its success at the box office, modest budget, and sheer number of soundtrack albums sold, it became a money-making machine for Paramount. And it also, notably, uh, put leg warmers on uh, at least half the girls in my uh, grade school (laughs) class. Popularized the the leg warmer. It seems almost amazing, then, that this movie did not spawn a sequel or two. I mean, that was the norm in the 80s, have success, but then milk it into oblivion. After uh, a bit of consideration, I think it might be easy enough to explain why this film did not have any sequels. It could be argued that it really did not have enough ideas for Flashdance 1. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we meet our main character Alex as she bicycles her way to work through the damp streets of Pittsburgh. We're told that she works as a welder by day. We never actually see her weld anything. By
1: the way, well, we see her in the big mash. She grinds. <laughs> she does got the welder, and sparks fly off screen. <laughs> there, she, there's extensive
0: she, use she, of stunt double. <laughs> she uses a cutting cutting torch, but never actually welds on screen. Uh, but by night, she engages her true passion, which of course is dancing. I mean, I guess her pas- it's her passion, but <laughs> after the famous scene in the first five minutes where she's splashed on stage by a bucket of water and a scene a few minutes later when she shakes her hips to Michael Sambello's Maniac, there's very little dancing to be done here. The, the movie's actually more about Alex's procrastination to audition to be a dancer. The whole movie is just a series of things that happen to prolong the inevitable ending where she finally does audition. We'll see Alex watch other people dance, sure enough, go ice skating, mock a traffic cop, <laughs> ride her bike around, visit an old lady we don't care about, and we'll get to see Alex start a super passive-aggressive relationship with her boss. <laughs> Alex even develops a smoking habit in the third act of this film. <laughs> That's when she's stressed out. Anything and everything but dancing. <laughs> Jason, how'd you feel about Flash dance after all the, these years. Well, there's
1: there's a good reason why you see so little dancing in this movie. Is because Jennifer Beals cannot dance <laughs> at all, apparently, uh, and uh, that had to be covered up for. Her, so she had to, they had to use a lot of uh, stunt. They had to use a lot yeah. of doubles well, sort for of... everything, and uh, they had to qu- do a lot of quick editing, right, uh, with a lot of things, and they uh, invented. <laughs> I mean, they invented plutonium by accident, as George Costanza might say. Uh, all of those those things they used to cheat ended up creating an aesthetic here that um, was a huge, huge success. This movie made over 200, $200 million in 1983 money, right?
0: Yeah, there's sort of a uh, an error in my intro here. Um, I went back and did some checking. There's a scene in the middle, I'll call it the strobe light dance scene. <laughs> That's clearly not her doing yeah. it. Uh-huh. And I thought it was supposed to be one of the other dancers, but I think it's supposed to be her dancing yeah. in that scene. Yeah. So I totally... There's
1: some stuff in the in the final dance, too, where you're just like, oh, the come oh, on. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Right, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but like, anyway, I'm sorry. But like, no, we need you to grow your hair out even more. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, this movie has going for it Jennifer Beals and her, uh, her Disney princess... Eyes and yeah. that giant, beautiful head of of hair, right? That it takes, I'm sure, all day in uh, in in hairdressing to make make her look like she just <laughs> rolled out of bed, right? <laughs> um. So, and it also, it's pioneers the, uh, you know, if that's the word, the MTV style of filmmaking, and you know, in the 1980s, kids, if you had a glittery, if you had a jittery editor, and in some radio hits on the soundtrack, you could build a whole movie just around that, you know, like Footloose. And Man, Top but th- Gun. Oh, yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is as
0: flimsy of a frame to hang
1: a movie on, right? Exactly. But that is that is the end. That is all we have here. Um, the all-powerful randomizer was wise, I think, um, to have paired this with with Megan because <laughs> we have a study in contrasts. Um, That's interesting. You, you have the thinnest read of a concept here, like with Megan. Um, but I describe Megan as a movie that feels loved, and this movie feels like an orphan. Um, this movie feels like a movie that was dreamed up by one person, then stripped down to bare wires and reconstructed again and again by different people until every trace of inspiration was just, uh, just gone. <laughs> um, and that, that in effect is what, what happened here. Uh, this was dreamed up by a guy, uh, who, uh, was very into the cabaret scene in Toronto, right? Came up with, you know, wrote a totally different script. Joe Esterhaus got it, and Joe oh. Esterhaus was a huge deal at the time. You know, As Joe Esterhaus does, about, though. <laughs> yes, he was, he was about to be a huger deal. Uh, he totally he burned it down and started over, started over from scratch. I guess they moved it to Pittsburgh, but still kept all of the weird uh, weirdo uh, – artsy fartsy cabaret yeah, shit
0: weird from, club that kind of is is not quite a strip club but not quite a regular
1: club right. either I, I mean we're expected here to believe that in pittsburgh circa circuit 1980 there were guys going home from working all day at the forge you know yeah. <laughs> right to you know uh, at the end of a long day you would go to a you go to you, you grab a budweiser uh, you go to your favorite hangout and, and you, and you watch what exactly some sort of Kabuki, kabuki inspired performance art right? as maybe directed by David Cronenberg, right? On the off chance that you might see a nipple, right? <laughs> and when we know what the bar next door is like, right? <laughs> right. And we know right. Exactly. And the bar, whereas the bar next door, right? Um, so, so right. This, no way. Um. And this movie is, it's just, it's laughably indifferent to, uh, to even the most basic storytelling mechanics. Uh, there's a main character with no backstory at all, right? (laughs) I guess so that young women can just sort of project themselves into the young lady lives to dance. She she, wants to dance. She wants to dance. (laughs) She occasionally dances, right? Uh, she's surrounded by boring supporting characters played by very, even more boring actors and this and the plot here seems embarrassed to take the stage. I mean, it doesn't even uh it's you're an hour into this movie and you're like, what exactly is the conflict here? She's she's getting along fine with her married boss. So, she's not dancing, but she doesn't really seem to want to dance, right? <laughs> um the you know, there's the scene where uh, you know, uh, uh the uh uh the, the crazy uh barker for the uh the the CD strip club is about to rape her in the parking lot, but then um, her stalker boyfriend, uh, yeah. boss boyfriend. Interesting,
0: you say stalker boyfriend <laughs> right. because that's that's right. his come on
1: her team. Right? Yes, right. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm your boss, and so you can't tell me to go away. He right. like lurks in the shadows. <laughs> and, yes, and... right. But sometimes the stalker boss boyfriend cancels out the crazy. He rapist. was in the right place at the right time. Exactly right, and, and everybody's happy. Uh, this movie has just just no. In- aside from the, the aesthetics of of the welding mask, has no interest. In what it's like, what it might be like for a young woman in that era to be, uh, try wow. to be in. I don't know if it has. A... Forget the young <laughs> woman a welder, part of it. Right? Yeah. It doesn't ha-
0: have any interest in any of its characters being. You know, we've got yeah. other side characters who We've got her friend who aspires to be a figure skater. Yeah, but right. why we're supposed to care about that? Because it's not given enough attention. Or are right. the the cook at the bar who wants to be a comedian? I, and I we forget. Really don't care. About I forget that. in the '80s that you could just go on stage and just attack a whole race of
1: people. <laughs> <laughs> the, right, the yes, Polish the jokes, Polish, for God's right, sake. Yeah, right. I'm like, man,
0: this guy <laughs> is really hitting that material hard.
1: The, he's letting the Polish people have I, it. Is,
0: is Pittsburgh completely devoid of a Polish population? You couldn't get away with that in <laughs> Chicago. Let me. just I tell don't you think that. So. <laughs> uh, uh, This is. This was. Uh, Worse than
1: I thought it was going to be. This was way worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I, this is the kind of movie I, I, I said to 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 Beth, I, you know, my wife, I said, um, like how how is a movie like this a hit? How who who lead, walks out of this movie and says, oh, I need to see that again? Because to get this, make this kind of money, you need to have rippy customers, right? Mm-hmm. And I can see how you can get people like opening weekend who think, in you know, again, in 1983. Um, a movie advertised like this, you think you're going to see some skin, you think you're going to see, see some sex, and occasionally there's some boobs in this, right? Yeah. But it's a movie, you know, that's advertised as being about stripping. Turns out it's not really about stripping at all, <laughs> no, right? Not and not so not. I, I think that any, most of the people seeing this movie, the target demographic here, are going to leave this movie angry, right? And this movie would bomb. And... Most people who, behind this movie expected that it would not be successful. Um, I think there's you know the,
0: that that kinetic music video quality that you mentioned. Yeah. I think that was sort of people went to see that. I, and the soundtrack on the radio, I mean, even though yeah. this is a soundtracks go when you you know I, what a feeling by Irene care is, is is a is a Maniac, class, classic classic yeah, song. Yeah. Maniac, I've never really cared for. Well, uh, right. but it was uh, definitely a staple a on the radio. Hit, yeah, when right. you get below that. Um, there are some well-known names here, but yeah. So um, you,
1: I mean, you have huge uh, uh, radio hits, and every time you know a DJ says you know plays What a Feeling," mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, or Maniac says, you know from soundtrack or the Flashdance. So you have free advertising. Pop there. culture yeah. really rode the
0: soundtrack back in this era. It, it sure, as, as footloose it did it. after it, and right? Then, yeah, and um, I think
1: this is maybe one of the first movies to really cash in on that. Mm-hmm, right. I think so. Um, but uh, Joe Estherhouse in his uh, in his uh, memoirs um, talks about this and says. Uh, uh i i couldn't find any easy e- easily look upable data on this right but uh he says that that flash dance didn't open that well um it opened a little uh, about what they expected right um but then it made even more money the next weekend so there was despite what i would think or what anybody would think involved with this uh uh there was actually huge word of mouth with with this and uh uh, his theory is, and, and I think this is probably borne out, is is that it's, it was young women at this time, kind of starved for content, starved for any sort of rec- any remotely interesting uh, characters on screen. Mm-hmm. It was young women just kind of going back again and again. Well, uh, I it can't. Think... It can't have been young men. No, I think you're right. <laughs> One thing I w- I will, I don't know if I'll call it credit, but mm-hmm.
0: A- Alex, as underdeveloped as she sort of is, is. Kind of, she's got to style her own person. She, she right. doesn't dress like the other women in the movie, right? She, you know, whatever the hell she's wearing in the scene where she eats lobster, she's got like a <laughs> tuxedo on. But when lobster. she takes the jacket off, all it is is
1: the cummerbund, or whatever. <laughs> right? Yes, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what is happening here? Why does she have that? <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer Beatles, by the way, very beautiful woman, uh, yes. her eating. Lobster, not so great. No, I didn't. Uh, lobster, it's <laughs> not a not a terribly sensual food, <laughs> and they do not seem to realize that, right? No, she they is, do not. She get is the really of the playing the lobster, right? So, uh, yeah, uh. I, I do think, um,
0: and from what I understand, this was one of the movies to really uh, rake it in as far as uh, home video too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Things took forever to come out on home video back then, but I think this made it fairly quickly mm-hmm. and uh, was was a real,
1: real hit on that market as well. Yeah. Uh, so this creates or fantastically boosts the the uh, the careers of people who are going to be uh, huge hitters in Hollywood for years to come. Joe Escherhouse, we've already talked about. He's the highest paid screenwriter in the business at, before this to make this movie happen. And just eats out on this movie until basic for ten years until basic instinct, right, and then sp- spends the rest of his career eating out on basic instinct. <laughs> uh Adrian Line goes on to uh uh to Bigger and Better Thing, he goes on to uh 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 Fatal Attraction, for instance. Oh right, right. right? right. Not necessarily also not not necessarily a, a great movie. Same film, right? type but... of hit though. Yeah, Rotten right. He, yeah, big hit, yeah. Uh, you mentioned this is the first major uh, union of of Simpson and Bruckheimer, right? This mm-hmm. is uh, their their first big hit and really put them on the map. The earlier incarnation of this to get this moving, uh, the credit executive producers here are John Peters and Peter uh, Peter Goober. Right? I saw John Peters, um, and uh, and so they they turn out to be a huge team uh, going forward too. They end up producing uh, uh, Batman um, in 1989. Yes, they right? do. <laughs> yeah, so this this makes a, a lot of careers. But nobody was expecting that. <laughs> Why? Why is this movie in Pittsburgh? I guess because they. It can't have been that much more expensive to film in Toronto. And it would have just seemed like. But then you got to make the whole thing. Yeah, I think there was probably. I don't
0: know. Canadian. Less thing. of an interest to in, be in Canada at that time. You know? I mean, yeah. Now right. they just. Now they film in Americans Canada. Americans aren't going to watch a movie about it. Well, Canadians. now they, they film in Canada all the time,
1: but we pretend it isn't, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. In the early scenes, I thought that she, you know, because she, as a welder, uh, lives in this giant warehouse apartment, <laughs> right? And it's literally a warehouse. And I, I thought to myself at the, at the beginning of this movie, I'm like, is this supposed to be New York City? Because right? I don't think so, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, yeah. The opening shots when she
0: rode into work, I, I knew I, mean, oh, I was it, pretty it, sure it was Pittsburgh. Oh, but. okay.
1: Maybe I not looking, uh, watching that closely. In totality,
0: I I, w- I thought this was pretty rotten.
1: Oh yeah, this was uh, this is really horrible. And uh, I invite anybody to uh, go out and look up uh, Roger Ebert's uh, review of this movie, which is available online. This, <laughs> this made his list of like the in one of his compilations on the movies that he just absolutely hated. Yeah, I'm gonna watch he the, really ap- the episode
0: movie. of the TV show when I get when I sometime today. I yeah, try not to watch it before, but. Uh... When we yeah. hit something that's in that pocket of, of their their TV show, I always try to watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it, well, it's not interesting to see, but uh, like something that that kind of remind it was that kind of fell through the cracks for me back then was Footloose. I didn't really watch that till we watched it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I like that way more than something like this. This that had even though that's pretty thin as far as yeah as it's it's set up and and what it's based around it's it, it's.
1: Well, that at least has a clear central conflict, right? Yeah, it, it, it's you know he uh, he's a rebel and and the town can't the town can't dance and there he's are gonna bring stakes. Back, he's going to bring rock and roll to this little town, right? Even though they're they're yeah, not, they're,
0: they're not they're, they're not huge potatoes, yeah, but yeah, these kids they matter, uh,
1: right? There, there are there are stakes in that
0: movie. This movie really doesn't have stakes.
1: There's, I mean, I mean, she, I mean it, it, is she going to get th- the courage
0: to dance? Of course she is. I have a theory about the ending. Uh, I mean, she dies did, did, during the dance rehearsal did she make and...
1: it I'm going to guess yes because they're say, like crying I'm, I'm going to say right? no I'm going to say they love the hell out of her performance
0: but she's just too re- too unrefined to be in our troupe <laughs> but, you know the typical we right. see you but the, the ending right, <laughs> right. The... exactly right. The...
1: <laughs>
0: that's how I feel about it but that's, that's just me being the uh...
1: and she has to go off and get married to the married already married boss He's he's divorced. <laughs> oh, he, is he? Well, <laughs> and uh... well then what what's the? <laughs> what I exactly found him kind of gross too. I mean, I, a, I realize he's he's not a my... really boring actor. He's, yeah, he's, he's not attractive at all. No, I mean, you I... would think the least you could do is try to pair her with uh, try to get s- he, he somebody looks like the who's... kind of person
0: that would turn into a werewolf in a horror movie.
1: He's like a <laughs> he's like a poor man's Chris Sarandon. Yes, every he time is. he
0: comes <laughs> on the screen, I'm like. Is, Is that Chris Sarandon? (laughs) And the more you look at it, you're like, of course not. But at first glance, (laughs) he looks like Chris Sarandon. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. So, uh,
1: (laughs) right. Uh, Yeah, this movie is rotten. Yeah. So, uh, So if you haven't seen it, don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. um, At one point, the black friend actually says, I'm glad I ain't no honky. Really? <laughs> yes. I missed that. <laughs> the one, the white woman, the white girls is crying, crying about how uh, if the guy, the guy hasn't called yet. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. The sassy black friend says, <laughs> I'm glad I ain't no hunky." No, I missed that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have to go back and watch the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I'll do that again. again.
0: All right. A uh, bit of housekeeping here. We are going to be off next week. I'm taking a me day. Oh, really? Yeah, so we're skipping a week. Take seven, they're small. We'll be back uh, in two weeks with a brand new movie, which will be decided later, Mm -hmm. and a random movie, which we are going to go ahead and pick right now. Oh, okay. 2009, Knowing. Knowing. It's a Nick Cage vehicle. Huh. Can't get enough of my Nick Cage. and we I all know love that. Love me some Nicolas Cage. Ever since, though, what was the one with the where he played the arms dealer we saw? We watched. Oh. Lord, Lord, of, Lord War. of War. <laughs> we have watched more than our share of
1: Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> Not many, but a few. Well, we, we did the his latest snake one. Snake Eyes and the Unbearable. Oh, Snake Eyes. Yeah. Are... Unbearable weight. Yeah. a talent. Right. So, now, and now we're doing, we're going to do Knowing. Okay. And that's uh, only 13 years old, so. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well, join us in two weeks. Like I said, we're skipping next week. We'll be here in two. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now.